Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. How are you, Sizzlers? You all right? How's your day going? Is the weather good out there, where you, wherever you are? The weather is finally getting warmer in Melbourne at the moment. Thank goodness. Oh, man. I made myself a nice dinner tonight. Roast pumpkin, roast potatoes, zucchini, carrots. The secret, I've been told, is roasting the veggies in beef fat or duck fat. You know, I don't discriminate between beef or duck fat. I'll have either. If you have either on handy, holy moly, do yourself a favor. Give that a try. You will not regret it. I was also um, heard the other day, I was talking to old mate Ant from the Warbirds, who's uh, been a guest on the uh, Art of Touring. Uh, we were speaking on the weekend, and he said, I should put a little bit of um, cinnamon when you're roasting pumpkin. Sorry, no, on uh, sweet potato. Maybe you could probably try it on pumpkin, probably work as well. But um, yeah, do it on the sweet potato, and it adds a little bit of vibe. Just a little bit, though. It's very nice. Got to the gym this morning. Uh, that was good. Chest day today. So I had to do my uh, chest exercises. Uh, it's hard on the wrists, though. Any gym goers out there, you would know this, especially when you start adding the weight. And I go to the gym by myself, man. I don't have a gym buddy or anything like that. I just, you know, go along there, cruise along around 7.30 in the morning. Gym's empty. It's not hero hour. There's no one there. But I have to be careful with the amount of weight that I throw on the um, on the bar, especially when um, you don't have a spotter, you know, because... Uh, you know, it could be dangerous, but I got through it, you know, got got myself to work on time, smashed out a day in the classroom before coming home, and now I'm just living the dream, Sizzlers. Living the dream. This week on The Art of Touring, I spoke with Troy Mayle, guitar player, and uh, he tells some fantastic stories about his time playing guitar on cruise ships all around the world, so stick around for that. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes or the Google Podcasts app on your Android device if you're not an iPhone user. Also, Art of Touring has just joined the new podcast network. It's been about three or four weeks now that I've been part of a lot of green podcast network. And you can check out all of the other awesome podcasts on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, uh, so if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Disney's live-action fairy tale Enchanted, and then once they're dropped off at daycare, throw Art of Touring back on. Now let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. Episode 28 of Art of Turing is brought to you this week by Generic Headache Tablets. Do you have a headache? Sick of paying that extra coin for the name brands? Then buy Generic Headache Tablets from your local pharmacy. They still have the same active ingredients, man, the name brands do, but with a lower price tag. Just because you have a headache doesn't mean you should get another headache when thinking about how expensive headache medication can be. So just go generic. And remember, this month only, hidden in one lucky generic headache tablet is a golden ticket. With entry into the generic headache tablet factory in beautiful Broadmeadows, (laughs) where you'll win a year's supply of headache tablets. You will be the envy 
of all your friends. Generic headache tablets. Go generic or go home with a headache. Just so you know, Art of Turing is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can Google Art of Turing and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before I get into my conversation with Troy, I'd like to play a little bit of his guitar playing for you. This is a version of Eleanor Rigby. Check it out. go Eleanor Rigby by Troy Mayo beautiful guitar playing now let's have a listen to uh, my conversation with Troy Mayo himself here it is Welcome to the Art of Touring, everybody. Uh, we are at uh, the home studio tonight, and I'm going to be interviewing uh, the one and only Troy Mayle, guitar player extraordinaire. How are you, Troy? Good, mate. Thanks for inviting me in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for making it down here, uh, all the way down in Epping, because you were... Where were you? Glen Waverley tonight? 
I was, yeah, I, I teach, my guitar teaching job is in Glen Waverley mm. and, um, and I'm living down in Mount Eliza, so I'm a long way from home. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mount Eliza, that's uh-huh. going to take you about a good hour and a half to get back. It will. Dude. <laughs> I'll be getting home in the wee hours. You've so. done well. I know. You've done well. And um, and it was a bit of a rough start tonight, wasn't it? I, I got a, a bit of a, a Facebook message from you about 5.30. I said, oh, you know, how are you going? You're like, yeah, I've lost my 4G. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, we'll, we'll be able to sort you out. And, and remarkably, we, we got you here. I know. You know. Well, who has a, who on earth has a Melways in their car these no days? No one. <laughs> so what was I going to do? That's yeah. it. I couldn't use my phone to get to here with with uh, with my uh, with my Google Maps. So I was I was, thought I was going to be screwed, but we did it, man. We got there. We made it. You're like, oh, I know where Greensboro is. I'm like, that's easy. I can get to Greensboro in 15 minutes. Let's do it. Round trip, and we we made it. Meet me at Red Rooster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Red Rooster. Yes, <laughs> we did. Oh, good stuff. Um, so yeah, Troy, where um, where did you grow up? Where are you from, mate? Yeah, Mount Eliza. Yeah. Oh, like, so that's where uh-huh. you grew up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Frankston, Mount Eliza. Um, I grew up uh, Peninsula boy, and mm-hmm. um, left there when I was nineteen to go off to uni. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Mornington Peninsula, born and raised. Went to a private school down there. Yeah. And then finished off at another school for my last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, sister, older sister. Yeah. Um, two years older, two kids. Yeah. Got nothing to do with music or musician. I'm the only one in my family who so plays mum, any music. Mum uh, or dad, no, no musical in, in any shape No, or no, not at all. I mean... Um, wow. Yeah, it is funny. My mum's brother was like a roadie for Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. Your, your what, sorry? My mum's brother was a roadie for Billy Thorpe. Do you remember Billy Thorpe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, most people I know think I'm crazy. Yeah. My uncle was a roadie for him. Wow. And that's as bad as musical as it gets in my... <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so he was around it, but yeah, never played never, any music nah, nah, I don't know. I don't know why I got so into it. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. a funny thing. Because most people, yeah, have an older auntie or uncle or someone. Someone gets them into it somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, was guitar your first instrument growing no, up? No, no. Trumpet when I was nine. Yeah. I remember they handed it around. They brought a little sheet around with pictures of musical instruments and you could choose one. Yeah. When I was in grade five at Peninsula. And I just saw the picture of the trumpet and I thought, yeah, that's where my future lies, in the trumpet. Wow. So I had trumpet lessons, yeah, for 18 months and yeah. was possibly the world's worst trumpet player. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't, what's the term? That you couldn't get the embouchure? No, I couldn't get the embouchure, <laughs> yeah. My lips were too big. <laughs> no. I, don't know, I don't know what it was. Couldn't get it happening. Yeah. And then the, the music instrumental, t- I want to quit. And I remember... I think this is a pivotal moment in my life. The head of music found his way up from the senior school music department yeah. up to the my grade six class, pulled me out of class and said, you know, you really shouldn't give up music because it's a really worthwhile pursuit or something like that. And I was yeah, like, oh, right. okay, all right, I'll, I'll keep going then. And I'm glad he did that because, yeah, this, I don't know what brought him up to, to pull me out of class because kids quit instruments all the time. Yeah. That's what happens. But yeah. no, he put, uh, put me out of class. So I said, all right. I ended up changing instruments to from the trumpet to the euphonium. Huh. You know, the euphonium, like a small tuba. Yeah. yeah. And I did that for next three years. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's, that was actually a good foundation because I started to learn to read music doing those instruments. Yeah. And being a guitarist... 
guitarists are generally terrible at reading music. <laughs> Doing those instruments got me those initial skills of reading, which yeah. I carry with me today. So, mm. so even though I quit when I f- discovered the guitar, when I discovered the guitar a few years later, when I was about 13, yeah. it was all over Red Rover for the euphonium. Yeah. yeah. And then you just delve straight into the guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was... Um, oh, we've all got... We've all got like that classic album, something, you know, that moment. Mm. I mean, I started getting into music about grade six. I was into the Australian stuff. I had cassettes of Ice House and James Rain. Mm. Um, and But when Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction came out and Slash with that Les Paul, yeah. it was just like, oh my God. He, I just thought... Yeah, with that top hat and that mop of hair and that Les Paul, it was just that—that that is the coolest guy in the world. I yeah, need to yeah, be yeah. that guy. Yeah, yeah. So how old were you when that came out? Yeah, so that was what that was eighty-seven. That album. So I was, I was eleven. Um, yeah. So it was around that time that I picked up guitar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you like? Yeah. Do you like that album? You went to I that do. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, because I was only seven. Right. Yeah. But I mean. Growing up in the eighties, you can't not be a Gunners fan. Really, I know, you know, I, yeah. um, it, it's kind of in your blood. I mean, I didn't, ob- I didn't obsess over Guns and Roses. Um, it was just, it was kind of like, it was just kind of ingrained in everyone that that was what was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of just like basketball in the nineties. Uh, yeah, everyone liked it. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And so it was just like, yeah, well, I like Guns N' Roses. And that was such a classic time in hard rock. Like, mm. those bands around then, you know, uh, Pearl Jammer a few years later. Yeah. But up until then, it was Van Halen, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, and then yeah. even harder stuff. And then Pearl Jam came along. Yeah. That was a golden time, man. Yeah, it was insane, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> And for you, as as a youngster, um, getting uh, exposed to those like big rock acts, um, that just f- fueled the fire that you already kind of had for playing the guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yep. so, um, uh, you mentioned you did have a guitar teacher at the time. Yeah, I had a guitar teacher. Uh, my first guitar teacher back in Mount Eliza, I think a guy called Ken King. Yeah, he taught me some good stuff. Uh, there were a few along the way. Another guy. Rob Papalato, who's still down there, he taught me a little bit, mm. and um, yeah, and I was, I was still, I was kind of, I was a bit of a shy guitarist in high school. I wasn't showing off about it. I didn't have so much confidence. Mm. I went to school with some very talented musicians. Yeah, um, some who've gone on to do some very cool stuff, or well known now. Yeah, um, but uh, so I was a little bit shy about it. It wasn't until I left school and studied music that I kind of got was. Uh, a little more prepared to show off, I suppose. Yeah, yeah right. I only did one battle of the bands at high school. That yeah. was it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we did Enter Sandman in one of the battle of the bands, I remember. Yeah, and so you were in the band. Mm, I was in the band, yeah. What, what was the band called, that first band oh, in high Oh, look, school? I think we just assembled for the battle of the bands. Oh, okay. And, you know, so actually it was because a guy I went to, I went to high school with, uh, a guy called Paul Dempsey, who's in... Um, Started Some, another band called Something for Kate. Kate. Yeah. Yeah. So he and I did that Battle of the Bands together. <laughs> wow, that's a spin out, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And, I remember uh, seeing Something for Kate at the pushover when I was 17. Right. In 1997. Yeah. That track of theirs had just come out at a million miles, miles an, an hour. hour. Yeah, yeah. And they were really hitting their stride. Yeah, they were really starting to get big then. Yeah. yeah. Well, they signed, get this, they signed. To Sony, eighteen months after we graduated high school, what? nineteen years of age, they signed. They signed to Murmur, Silverchairs, 
label. Yes. Uh, yeah, 18 months after we graduated high school. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of lost touch with them after high school, but I kind of was following them a little bit. Yeah. I remember Paul talking to Paul on the phone about their first gig. He was mm. saying, oh, hey, man, we're going to do this gig at the Punters Club. Oh. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, good luck with that, man. That's not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> little did you know. Little did I know. <laughs> well, you were right about one thing. The punters club didn't last. No, but... the punters club didn't last, but they did. <laughs> but yeah. they certainly did. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so back back in high school, yeah, I was kind of next to Paul, and Paul was monumentally talented and still is. Yeah, yeah. And so, I was, yeah, I was... I was I was intimidated by it, but I well, loved even it. Even by his height as well. He's a tall He's dude. He's a very tall guy. I, I, I saw him once at Bakehouse Studios just re- rehearsing with whatever act that he was rehearsing with and walked past him like, man, that's that Paul Dempsey. Man, that fucker is tall. <laughs> yeah, giant, six foot eight or something. Something like, like that. Yes, yeah, yeah. very tall. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so, but I was still really into it, practicing yeah. like crazy. I just... I know, I still practice, but back then I just loved it so much. And I was into, yeah. geez, I was into, I was into Tommy Emmanuel back then. I was into old cold, cold chisel stuff. Yeah, but I also was a bit of a band geek. I did um, the school stage band and stuff. I wanted to, I had a real interest in. I was real serious about it. I wanted to be a serious musician who could read music and play sure other styles and stuff. So I was also doing the school band at the same time. But yeah. Mm, mm. Yeah, well, that's admirable, man. Because a, a lot of, um, uh, I mean, in some of my students, they really only just do the one thing that they don't kind of cross over into the stage and you know the concert band stuff. They just do like the rock band, the rock band, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the ones that do cross over, you can tell once once they graduate, they they certainly do have a better appreciation um, and a better musical base, really. Yeah, you know. Um, I think it's definitely worthwhile that. being able to. Being able to be versatile—that's mm. something that's served me. I was—I was wanting to, knowing I was coming to talk to you. I was, mm. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But that was a good one thing I was wanting to, to kind of say. That's one thing my high school music teacher, Neil Hambly, he yeah. was out there. God bless him, listening. It was one thing he instilled: is try and be versatile. Mm. And it's so true because it served me. If you've got multiple skills and there's different styles you can play, yeah, it will really help. Yeah. Well, I certainly remember, because um, I think we did a, a, an acoustic covers gig together a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and when, when you, you, you showed me the set list that we were doing, I was like, whoa, like, what? I, I wouldn't have put those songs together in a set, but stylistically when we played them they worked yeah right it was kind of looking at it from a different angle you yeah. know because I'm like oh wow no that's a third set song <laughs> why are you good at first yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and then we played it and I'm like oh yeah, yeah this could be a first set song like you know what I mean yeah. so yeah no, that was Glen Ferry Hotel thing. wasn't it I yeah think. it was man right, yeah right. that's right yeah we, we had that gig a couple for you know a couple of months yeah. until, until it got moved on but um, yeah and so you, you, you leave high school and yeah. you, you've um, you've played in a battle of the bands and you've done the stage stage band thing and you've been getting guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did you start studying music when you left high school? Yeah, yeah. First year out of high school, I did one year at Box Hill TAFE, mm-hmm. uh, which was eye-opening. You know, it's like when you're in high school and you think you're awesome and you just... And then you get outside into the real world and you realize just how many sure. hugely talented people there are. Um, but that was great. That was really... Uh, yes, yeah, so I did a year at Box Hill TAFE. That yeah. really exposed me to different styles and... Really good players and opened my eyes up a little bit. Yeah. Made me practice and work harder. Mm. Um, and then a year after, the next year after that, I had a gap year of 
um, I was smashing it actually delivering pizzas. Oh and yes, <laughs> yes, the pizza delivery gig, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, every guitarist has to do it. <laughs> yes, man. Yeah, I had a year of just I don't know bumming around delivering pizzas, practicing a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was hard. I remember it being hard actually because, like I said, Paul and that those guys got signed yeah. to Sony and they were on Triple J, oh, and here I am, the delivering- guy who was. Delivering pizzas. <laughs> Meanwhile, my mate from two years ago is is just all over Triple J and Recovery. Yeah. Remember that show, Recovery. Oh, I remember at the time? that show, man. That yeah. was awesome. That show. Yeah, great show. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> man, my first job was at a pizza place, man. I wasn't delivering them, but I was waiting on tables. A eh? yeah, right. You know, La Porchetta's in Greensboro. Yeah. Um, that was that was my first. Ta- I think they were paying me. Um, eight dollars an hour, cash in hand. Yeah, right. right? Eight dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like, whoa! I was working there for a few months, and then, um, I think three or four months into my tenure there, um, I went to pick up my pay. Instead of like you know fifty eight dollars, whatever, there was seventy dollars in my packet. I'm like, I think you've paid me too much, guys. Like, no, 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 we've bumped up your pay. You're now on ten dollars <laughs> an hour because you yes. did seven hours work. I'm like. Fucking what? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so but it's, just, it's good you know. to do those jobs. Oh, I dude, it's, it's you have to do it. Yeah, yeah, you do, and yeah. you're grateful when you finally do get paid to play music and do cool stuff. You're like, man, this, you just yeah, you man. just don't take it for granted. It's you like, appreciate it that's yeah, so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I heard a, I saw a thing with Eric Clapton who was talking about when he was 23 years old. He was filthy rich. He was had. The cars, he had the house, he had the money, he had the solid gold career, yeah. but it was miserable. And I'm like, well, no wonder you got to experience success at such a young age and didn't have 10, 15 years of the serious grind and misery. Yeah. You know, you just, yeah, experience success right out of the gate. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I think it's didn't really... feel like he really earned it. Yet. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's, it's, it's great to do that stuff. It's, it's, and I had a lot of it. I had a lot of crap jobs. Yeah. yeah. What else did you have to do? I mean, I worked at, I worked, I did drive through liquor stores. Uh, oh, few man. That, that would have been rough. Yeah. Got, got kicked out, got fired from one. Yeah. Call center. Man, that's a, that's just a, man, you smashing life if you're doing that <laughs> man, freaking job. Call center gig. Oh. Hey. <laughs> And man. there's so many musicians and artists and actor, actors at those kind of jobs, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> because literally you could probably just walk in and do the job, hey? Like, yeah, there's exactly. not really much experience needed. No. And, and they, they're, it's all, they're always in demand, you know? Yeah. It's better than, you know, collecting dole or living on yeah. the street. Or like, fucking call centre, man, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. I need to pay the rent. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're bad places. I don't know. I guess they're still going. I don't know. But. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. They're still going. <laughs> um, oh, dude. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, after that, did you yeah, um, so, uh, continue? Yeah, I went to uni. Study went to, after yeah, that? I yeah, went yeah. to Latrobe Uni in Bandura, just down the road here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, did my music degree there. And and that was that was good. I always wanted to... I always wanted to... I was really keen on understanding music, mm. understanding music theory, understanding what I was doing, becoming... My, I was always really... Impressed by great musicianship. Um, mm. That was the thing. I never saw myself as a rock star. I just didn't... I don't know. I just didn't... It just wasn't me. I just I always loved really great players and people yeah. who understood music, really understood the craft of it and were very good at it. Sure. And that would, that's what I was really, really hungry to do. So, um, yeah. So, I went to La Trobe there for three and a half, four years. Yeah. Yeah. Practiced a lot and... Um, 
and the call center job was after that actually. So so that's that that's really humbling when you do a degree <laughs> and then you go out and work in a call center <laughs> after you've got your degree. <laughs> it's one thing to do oh, it man. when you're straight out of high school, but when you're 24, it's just like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Man, those, yeah, those were some tough times. But uh, but that's the reality of it, isn't I it? Know. it? We were talking before about how rewarding a creative pursuit can be, but also how you know challenging it can be as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, because just because you have a degree in something, no matter what it is, yeah, doesn't yeah. mean you're going to get a gig in it. I know. You know, <laughs> yeah. like um, my, my brother, not not to um, you know stitch him up or anything, but he did a degree in um, fine arts at at, at RMIT in the city, right? You know, painting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then he turned that into a three um, D modeling, like uh, computer generated imagery course. Okay, right. And he finished that course as well. Right. He's not working on Star Wars. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like he's an art teacher at the school. Right. Right. You know right. what I mean? He's, <laughs> like me, I'm a music teacher at yeah. high school. You know. But it's good that your folks still encouraged it. Yeah. Of I course. Mean, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. Most That's definitely. Good. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Because um, I, I, I teach guitar in a school now, and I see parents who even just discourage it doing music mm. uh, as, as a subject. Just don't. Mm. You're not even doing a subject. No. 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 You're going oh. to go off and you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer. Dude. You know, we've, we've, yeah, mum and dad, we've come over from, you know, from this poor country in Southeast Asia or whatever. You're going to do, you're going to study and you're going to become, a, and that's what it is. That's it, It's man. like, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, oh, dude, so many kids like come in and out of my classes and I'll go, oh, why aren't you choosing music next year? And they're like, because I've got to do ECE, sir. Yeah. I need to get a good enter score. Yeah. I can't do music now. Yeah. Now it's time to study. Yeah. <laughs> get a good job. I'm like... Man, you're 16, dude. Why are you talking like you're know, 24? Right? You know yeah. what I mean? But like you said, the parents would steal it in a man, you know. Yep. Um, and it's a it's a challenge. And so, um, yeah, you're smashing the call center at 24. <laughs> 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 and just trying to get that overarching yeah. story of Tro- Troy Mayo. Um, These were the dark years. It gets right? better. Yeah, it gets better. <laughs> um, I'm sure, of course, you know. Um, and where to from there? Where where do yeah, we find so, yourself okay, up to so, um I was yeah, I was I was at a, I was just kind of chasing my tar around, and Dad actually suggested, "Why don't you move to London? Mm. Why don't you no? Why don't you go travelling?" And uh, and so I just followed the trail of Aussies getting the two year London visa, England mm-hmm. visa, and that was that was great. I had two years over there, and I was doing gigs over there. It was. It's a really great scene over in England. I met up with a friend the other day who's still there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work over there. And from the time I got there, I was actually gigging. I was pretty early on. I was kind of gigging once a week. I mean, one of my first gigs, I was working at a school during the day and they said, listen, this local restaurant needs a guitarist. So I went into this, had a weekly gig playing solo instrumental guitar, not even singing, just wow. finger style tunes. Yeah, in a restaurant. And... And then I was doing. I ended up doing covers gigs over there. I ended up doing weddings over there. And I met an an Aussie guitarist who was smashing it at the time called Mark Johns, mm. and he ended up giving me some work. So two years there, and I actually tried to stay there because I could see I could really make a go of it. Mm. And I tried to get a visa, but I couldn't get in. Mm. I couldn't get the visa, so I had to leave. Oh. Yeah, but it was it was it was a great time. It was a good happening city, London's. London's a happening place, and um, yeah, lots going on there. So, so none of none of your parents were born in another no, country. No, no. five generic, and we came over 
<clears throat> Port Arthur back in the early 18th century. Oh, dude, so it's way back. Hey, it's way back. Yeah, I know. I, was, I had nothing. <laughs> I had Jack. Well, I, I I really only recently learned this because one of the other guests a few weeks ago, um, uh, Vince Calderoni, is DJ uh, Teddy Cream. He's touring right now. Um, he is has applied and he's got his Italian um, passport because his grandma was born in Italy. Right. You know, my, and so you'd have that too, my, no? I can apply for it. Right. I had no idea. And you've never thought of doing that? Never. Yeah, right. But now I'm going to, you yeah, know, right. because especially if I want to work over there or uh-huh. even just travel to Europe, yeah. as long as I get a, a plane ticket that goes to Italy or Rome or wherever the you know the terminal is, I can just walk through. Yeah, right. Without any security. Exactly. N- nothing, because I'm am- a citizen. That's amazing. And my family as well. <laughs> yeah, right. D- by default, I believe. So who came over here? Your grandparents? Uh, so my grandparents came over here, but um, my both of my sets of parents were both born over there, and they came over here with the kids. Okay. So they migrated here in the 50s, and, and both my parents were like kids at the time. Okay. You know, like six or seven years old. Right, right. So um, because of that, because they, they were born there, I can apply for a, a Italian or even an Irish yeah. visa. Oh, you've got to do that. Yeah. You haven't been to Italy? No, I've never been. Oh. No. I, I've been to Dude. Europe, but I've never been to Italy. Yeah, yeah right. Do yeah. Got to do it. Because when you were in London, you probably would have been able to, you probably saw all of Europe yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. Tripped across all the time. And, yeah. 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 And that's the weirdest thing about living in a country as big as ours is like a trip to like Sydney takes like 12 hours in a car. I know, right. But if we were in London, we could have seen like yeah. 10 different I mean, countries in that time. Russia in the same time, you know? <laughs> in the same time. And been through like a million countries in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah it's crazy. It's unbelievable. Mm. But it's... Um, and we were talking about that, like the fact that there's such a concentrated population in a small area, yeah, and they have hundreds and hundreds of years of history. Yeah, there is hundreds of years of musical history. Mm. I mean, you know, England started. You know, England's got the Beatles for God's sake, <laughs> and you know, classical music started. You know, three, four hundred, five hundred years ago in Europe, mm. and so because all that music started over there, there is the whole culture. So much of the culture is just built around that. Yeah. And so it's a great place to be for musicians. Whereas we're 200 years old, we're all spaced out over 5,000 kilometers. Yeah. So that just alone kind of changes things a little bit. We do well, I think, for the, we musically, you know, we, we Australians love Australian music and we support it, but, mm. um, it's just a whole different ball game over there. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so much more, many more people as well in yep. such a concentrated area. Yeah. So there's more likelihood of them being into a specific genre of music that you're laying down. Yep. As opposed to here, where there's not as many people and they're all stretched out. Exactly. So they'd have to be a real hardcore fan of a specific genre to bother coming to a, a pub, you know, on a Tuesday to check out your yeah. weird electro pop yeah. fuzz <laughs> yeah, rock band. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your Swedish metal. Outfit. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh man! And so you come back to Australia after a couple of years, yeah. and, and you've you've gigged solidly. Yeah. You made some great contacts over there. Yeah, and, and what I did was I, the only way I was going to get back in to was become was get my qualifications as a school teacher. And because I I could see that if I went back there, I was gonna I was going to be able to take up all these great contacts, and yeah, I could see I was probably going to be able to do music theatre stuff and all sorts of great work. Mm. So I came back and I did my diploma of education. Now while so that was just a year I did here, and yeah, I got, kind of got back into the scene in Melbourne. But where, where did you do your diped? 
at uh, Australian Catholic Uni. Oh, yeah. ACU? Yeah, yeah, In yeah. the city? Mm-hmm. Oh, right on. Yeah, and uh, strangely enough, I also got a qualification to teach religious education. I wasn't raised religious at all. Anyone who but knows you, me... You got it because you went to ACU. Yeah, yeah, they, that was a little extra string in my bow. Mm. Funny thing that happened that year was I also got an opportunity to audition for a, a cruise ship gig in about October of that year, 2004. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll give myself this second option here. I can go back to London, or if I get this cruise ship gig, maybe I'll do that as well. Nice. Yeah, so um, so I auditioned uh, to do what's called a stage band role. Every, cruise ships have an in-house, they call it orchestra, but it's really like an eight-piece band. Sure. And they you, you, you back basically on the ship every night. You might back a magician one night, you'll back a... F- a crooner-style singer. The next night, you'll back the singers and dancers in their car sh- stage show. Ah. Yeah, and uh, this gig is... I'd heard about the stage cruise ships at uni, and I'd always wanted to do it. I thought, God, that is my bag, man. Yeah. If I'm playing music, different styles in music every night, traveling around the world, mm-hmm. I'll just, I want to do that. Yeah. So, um, actually, if I can tell the story of how I did the audition, because it's, it's a funny story in itself. Yeah, tell me. It was back before Skype. <laughs> 2004 so what they did was they sent me a package of sheet music and but they had to know that I could read this sheet music on the fly off the cuff without having seen it because that's what the cruise ship gig is you know you'll get in there in the morning you have to rehearse and they'll throw some sheet music in front of you from the crooner singer who's just flown in from LA and you got to be able to do it on the spot oh shit yeah so so but, but what I had to do was I had to film myself doing it so they knew that I hadn't seen the music before. So I set huh. up a vi- in my little room opposite the uni where I was living. So you had to like open the the, the, the package, p- package in f- on camera. Uh-huh. And the g- that is wild. I know, and the guy, the agent from Montreal who uh, organized musicians was on the phone at the same time telling me what to do. So I had, ah. the, I had the guy up to my phone. Now, again, this is before Skype. This is before iPhones. I had my little Vodafone up to my ear. Yeah. He's like, okay, Troy, hit record on the camera. So I walk over to the camera, hit record on my little video cam. He goes, okay, open up the package, open it up. Okay, pull out the first song. I open up the sheet music and pull the CD out and because it, it's a backing track of all the songs, sheet music that I had to play along with. Ah. Mm. So I'd put the, the backing track in the computer. He'd be like on the phone, okay, go to track one on the CD. I'd boom, 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 track one. Okay, open up the first sheet of music, hit play, and the sheet of music in front of me was the track I'd have to play along with. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so it was, it was like... And it was, it was, I remember it being challenging. It was like, man, I'm stressed out just hearing that. No, no, that. it was, stre- it was, yeah, yeah. And I, but oh, I really yeah. wanted to do this gig. Yeah. I'd heard all about it. And I mean, it was an opportunity to travel around the world and getting paid to do it playing guitar. So, mm. so I remember putting the sheet music on. He was like, go to track one, go one, two, three, pop, boom. And I'd have to re- read the chord changes and read the dots and, Play it on the fly, and I got through it. Got through the first one. He's oh, like, "Okay, yeah, that's good, man. Okay, now go to track three. Boom, track three on the CD. Boom. And I remember halfway through this phone call, the phone cut out. Oh. The guy was in Montreal, and I'm like, "Hello," holding the phone up to me. "Hello, hello." Yeah. Put the phone down. I'm like, "Shit, what do I do? Is, is he going to call back? I, you know, the, the camera's going. He's, you know, in the middle of the audition. Yeah. So." Ten minutes of me, the camera get, camera rolling, me just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. Phone <laughs> rings again. I pick it up. It's like, oh, sorry, bro. All right, go to, <laughs> go to track five. Anyway, this audition went for like forty minutes. I had to read some music. I had to do a bit of improvising over a blues. Sure. I played some solo finger style guitar stuff, mm. and um, 
three weeks later, and so that finished up. I I sent the video over to him. Yeah. And three weeks later, sent me an email saying, "Yeah, look, you got the gig. When when are you free to go?" I'm like, "What? What? What, bro? Yeah." So. Um, now this was October of that year. I said I sent an email back saying, "Look, listen, I've, I'm gonna, I've got a job lined up in the UK to teach. I might do that. Can I get back to you about the cruise ship gig?" Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, okay, no worries." So fast forward to um, January of 2005, I fly back to the UK, get a music teaching job, but yet also had this opportunity of working on a cruise ship. Um, the the job teaching in London was god awful. It was yeah. I was teaching religious education in school. Anyone who's taught in London schools knows that classroom teaching in London schools is is hard. The <sighs> the, the the school system over there that it's just it just doesn't have the discipline we do, and it's mm. it's tough, man. It's 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 tough. Yeah. So we got three months in. Always in the back of my head of doing this horrible job, I was like. I've got that cruise ship gig to go to. Here I am stuck in this London classroom yes. with a bunch of ratty kids. Yes. I could be on a boat in the freaking Mexican Riviera. Anyway, come about April that year, I emailed the agent, listen, I'm ready to take the gig. All right, great. They get back to me a week later. I'm never going to forget this. They sent me an email saying, okay, are you interested on a gig on a uh, Holland America cruise ship sailing in the Mex- Mexican Riviera? Yes. I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I can do that. I think I could do that. Yeah, yeah. I can work with you there. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, a couple of weeks later, and this is, again, I'll never forget this. This was just one of the most exciting times of my life. They flew me from London to San Diego. Wow. And they put me up in the Sheraton Hotel in San Diego the night before. Ah, oh, dude. Yeah. Um, and I just felt so cool because this was, so I was 28 and it was my first, not my first professional paying gig but my first full-time salary gig as a musician yeah yeah. Man. yeah so i was i was wrapped because you know what i'd worked so hard for was mm. kind of finally happening i Most was kind definitely of, yeah, yeah living yeah. a bit of a dream mm. um feeling like a rock star mm. so you know prancing around the airport in san diego with my but you know with the trolley with all my guitars on there yeah like i'm a rock star everyone looking at me they so they put me up in the sheraton hotel the next day, I bought my first cruise ship to sail down. Yeah, the uh, that was my, my, my first contract playing in the show band was six months playing sailing out of San Diego doing one-week cruises down the Mexican Riviera to Cabo San Lucas, Puerto Vallarta, another place called Mazatlan, up and down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the, the punters would get on for a week mm-hmm, exactly. and then get on and then come, come back to San Diego. Yep, exactly. And then you would do it again the next week exactly. with a whole bunch of new, new punters. Exactly. Oh, exactly. wow. And hey, so how long was that run for? So that was for about two two months. It was during their summer. Mm-hmm. And then they turned the ship around and sailed up to Alaska. Ah. Yeah. So two places I'd always dreamed of going. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was playing music to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I was... I remember it was just. I remember it being one of the happiest times of my life. I mean, no yeah. one. I couldn't take the smile off my face. No. I was just like walking around this ship every day. I, I am. I am just untouchable. I'm, I, I'm untouchable here. I am yeah. the man. But I tell you, this is a funny story. My first day on the first ship. Talk about memories. I the first rehearsal on the first day. We were backing the cast of singers and dancers. The band would be on the stage, and in front of us, the singers and dancers would play medleys of hits, all dressed up. They'd be dancing, they'd be singing. Sure. And we were backing them. And in my first song of my first rehearsal, I had to come out from my little part of the stage, 
walk down to the front of stage, get down on my knees and take a guitar solo <laughs> while all the singers and dancers were around me looking up at me, clapping and smiling. And You're I was part just, of the show, I man. Was like, I was like, ladies and gentlemen, I have arrived. You have arrived. <laughs> that is fantastic. Do you remember what the song was? Yeah, it was, uh, it was um, Bob Seger and Bob Seger, uh, uh, rock and roll. You know, that f- risky business song. Um all time oh. rock and roll. Oh, all time rock, rock and roll. roll. Yeah, I had to take a solo yeah. during that song, and I was just like, Brilliant. "Yeah, I just couldn't believe this is my dream. I'm I'm living it, baby." That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, and um, so so that gig that was that was a really great experience for me. That first six months, because there was so much variety in it. Going back to what we were mentioning before about learning to read, and when mm. it really served me, yeah, and having varieties is that gig because. You know, one night we'd be doing that cast show. The next night we'd be backing a magician, you know. And the next night we'd be backing another show we did was an Elton John comedy tribute show. Yeah. And um, so and what was, was the music like when you were backing the magician? Like atmospheric you know, shit. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, you know, when he'd be walking on, we'd be playing. You know, we'd we'd play Cantaloupe Island or the Chicken or just some dicky little number to introduce ah, him on. Yeah. And then we might stay on stage while he you know, backing his music while he's doing his tricks or they might shut the curtain, we'd walk off and then come out at the end when he's ready to finish his show. Right, okay. So so every day was a case of we'd have a rehearsal about midday, we'd get the music, maybe we'd not worked with the the entertainer before or we had, chuck the music in front of us, do a one-hour rehearsal, play again that night. Wow. Yeah. So, and so was there entertainment every night of the week or was it only like five nights? Yeah, no, it was every night of the week. And two Whoa. shows, two shows. So we'd have a rehearsal, 45 minutes for, to an hour. Yeah. And then later that night, we'd do two 50-minute shows and uh, in an 800-seat theatre too, which was great. Yeah. It's playing to a nice big, nice big room. Did you give, ever get any like um, seasickness? No, not really. They, no? No. They, they rock a little bit. The yes, yeah. it never really gets too bad, and you certainly feel it when you first get on. It's a it's a slow kind of rocking motion, ah. but after a while you get used to it. You, you don't notice anymore. It. Yeah, ah, but no, okay. I, I, no, I never, I never got never sick. got it. No, far out. Yeah. I guess they're pretty freaking big. Hey, they're massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they generally sail in calmer waters. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I only really ever. I remember one time in in Alaska we were sailing, and I was playing solo up on the top deck, mm. and you could, I could see the bow of the ship and we were, the bow was rocking so much that we'd go so high up in the air that all I could see at the front window was sky <gasps> and then we'd go down and all I could see was the water. Yeah. And so I was just, and you know, crap, you know, little candlestick holders are flying off the tables and oh, but that, no. was, that was the worst, it, that was the worst it ever got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but um, and you didn't get sick or nothing? Never got sick, no. But people around you like just puking their guts out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what does happen on those ships though is um, yeah. Sometimes a, a virus goes around called. I mean, one common virus is called Norwalk virus, which is like a serious hardcore gastro. Oh. And if we, and if it goes around the ship, everyone gets just it. Everyone. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You have to be quarantined oh, in your room and get an man. injection in your bum, and it's a bad scene. And that that happened to you. A couple yeah, of that times. happened to me. Yeah, like in in two and a half years when I was doing it full time, that that happened a couple of times. It was yeah. two and a half years. Well, so I did I did a bunch of contracts. So that first contract was six months. So six months on the one ship. Yeah. Um, in the stage band, and yeah, and then my next contract after that was maybe just as long, in a different 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 in the Caribbean. 
The Caribbean. Yeah, that was my second contract in the Caribbean. Yeah, man. Yeah. I've been there. Oh, have you? Yeah. Which part? Uh, so, uh, the Turks and Caicos Islands. Yeah, is, right. Is where we were. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it quickly because it is probably one of the only times that I'll be able to like semi uh, connect with the guest where we've played in a similar part of the oh, world. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? And uh-huh. a similar kind of experience too, even though yours was a lot longer. Oh, I think I remember. You did a, a gig soloing? Yeah. Right. A solo gig, yeah. How so was that? It was, it was like how you were describing, just like the best... Paradise. Yeah, yeah, paradise, you know. So 2011, uh, my wife and I were, were, were holidaying in, um, in Florida and we decided to finish our holiday in uh, Club Med which is like a resort where, you know, every, you, you pay like, you know, four or 500 bucks a day and you, everything is included, you know, booze, um, food, uh, entertainment and everything. Anyway, we're, 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 we're there for the, the last week of our holiday and we see this little jazz trio performing um, every night, um, which wasn't unusual. You know, there's entertainment at these places. But then what was unusual was then we saw them at the pool and then at dinner and like, you know, eating and, and enjoying all the festivities. I'm like... What the hell's going on here? That's not normal. Like, yeah. What is this gig? And so I befriended them, obviously. They were all from uh, Canada. They were French Canadians. And they said, yeah, look, it's this um, thing called Club Med Artists. Right. Where uh, you have to pay for your own way to the, rest- to the resort and pay your own way home. Right. No matter where you live in the world. Yeah. Um, you have to play 45 minutes a day. Um, you know, six out of the seven days that you, you know, for the week and everything's free. Yeah. You just get a free holiday. You just got to pay for your, for your transport. Right, right. I was like, how do I get this kick? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so she, she gave me the details and um, as soon as I got home from, from that holiday, that 12 months, I was that's all I could think about was getting that gig. Yeah, yeah. And so I emailed them and obviously now it was, it was a little bit different to when you got yours because it, there was the internet around and I was able to just, you know, email them some performances of me, you know, on YouTube or whatever. And it was a similar thing. Okay, you've got the gig. C- can you leave next month? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, I've got yeah. a job here, dude. I yeah. can't leave next month. He's like, okay, well, how's like, uh, when can you leave? I'm like, well, I could do January. You know, he's like, okay, what about the whole month of January? I'm like, here's in my mind, I'm thinking maybe two weeks. Yeah. He's giving me the whole month. So that I think I, we remember I, I left. It was, it was insane what we did when back, when I think about it. We left on Boxing Day and came back home on Australia Day. All right, and that Australia Day was my first day back at work. All right, so I flew home. Yeah, and and I landed in Melbourne at like seven thirty eight a.m. Yeah, and then had to <laughs> go home. And then my wife dropped me off. Oh, no. Then I drove myself to work, literally with no oh, sleep. No, really? And had to go. I mean, there was no kids, but it was all meetings and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And oh, that was brutal. I would but, have called in sick. I uh, just... No, no. You can't call in sick on the first day. No, true. No, no. <laughs> you have to be there, man. Yeah. But oh, look, now, just, yeah, it, it was it was the time of my life. Yeah. A whole month in the Caribbean, playing tunes for, for holiday makers. It was, it was rad, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sounds good. There you go. And so, um, yeah, so you do this gig for two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then you come home. Yeah, I uh, I did five ships. All, all took me to much of the world. I mean, I saw... Ah. That was... that Because was, I love traveling, so... Yeah. Went to some really crazy places in that time. I mean, I saw... 
I went to the pyramids of Egypt. I went to Jerusalem. Oh, went, so it wasn't just Mexico and Alaska. No, it was, to, my last cruise in the, was the Mediterranean. Whoa! So I went to went to Bulgaria and went to Malta and yeah, Jerusalem, which is a place I'd never in my life think I'd make it to. Yeah, Greek islands all around Italy, and also you know parts of the Caribbean. You know the um, canal, the Panama Canal, Panama City. Whoa! Just yeah, and Alaska. You took we were sailing up and down in Alaska and yeah. Um. Yeah. And I, so when you get to these towns mm, and places, yeah. how how long is the is the shore leave? Is that the yeah term? yeah you're just there for a day. You're there just for one day, nine till kind of four or five. And they yeah. put you up in a hotel or something? No, or? no, because you, you're just there during the day. So you get off the ship, do what you want, come oh, back on and that then night, just come back that night. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. and then and then you're off again somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All the guests have have gotten on for the next trip. Yeah. But wow, I got to do some really, out. yeah, I got to do some really cool, I mean, one thing in Alaska I'll never forget is, mm. got to do this thing called helicopter dog sledding, where they took us up to a glacier up the top of a mountain, and this was my first ship too, so I'm still on cloud nine, like, yeah. feeling like a true rock star, and one of the trips I got to do was they flew us up in a helicopter at top of a glacier, and then we dog sledded behind 16 husky dogs around this big glacier. Yeah. Oh, man. Which is something I would never have done. That is you know. wild. No, no, yeah. And, but, and yeah, so so all sorts of random things in, in, in when I was doing it. And it was just mm. a perfect time too. I was single. I was 20, late 20s. Sure. So it was just... And also as a gig, it was great. As a guitarist, I got to do a lot of solo stuff. I, I was required to play in the atrium as a soloist on my own two or three times a day. Yeah. On the what we call C days where you don't stop in port, I would play on my own just doing a little fingerstyle repertoire. Okay. Yeah, which I loved. Um, so I'd do that and then um, and then, you know, if you had a show that night, I'd, I'd play that night. So, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was... It was what was, was the pay like? Was the pay any good? It was okay. Um, right, let me see. You know... Back then, like it was, I think my first ship was about eighteen hundred to two grand a month. Yeah. But considering you're not spending any of it, you're buying drinks and you're mm. buying a hell of a lot of those. But yeah, um, but Coronas, I remember, were like a dollar in the crew bar. So yeah. this was the other thing: you're just getting hammered every, like three nights a week. You're just partying up, <laughs> and because you, you're a muso, you don't have to get up till midday. So yeah, right. Yeah, so you're partying every night. Yeah, and then, uh, and then yeah, you're up at midday. For rehearsal, and then <laughs> yeah, do your show that night. Back yeah. to the crew bargain after that. Yeah, so um, so yeah, so that was for two and a half years, and uh, it was it was great. It was, it was it was all sorts of styles of music. It was jazz. It was. Did you ever see anything like um in the audience that you think, oh my god, these this audience is getting loose or or anything yeah like yeah that? yeah we had a uh, a gay cruise that is a charter where a company will take over a whole ship. Whoa! Yeah, and we I did one of my best gigs that week, and it was a gay, a gay guys cruise. Um, there's a there's a name for the company that does it. I've forgotten, mm. but all these gay guys would come on and they'd bring their own entertainment. And what actually one of the gigs I got to do then was really good. I backed Judy Garland's daughter. Judy Garland had two daughters. Liza Minnelli was one. And she had another daughter called Lorna Luft. And Lorna Luft, because Judy Garland was a gay icon, Lorna Luft, her daughter is a gay icon. Right. And she sings like her mum and um, does all that kind of style of music. And yeah, so we played, I got to play with her in front of an audience of, of, of gay guys, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the high, actually, that was a really great thing. I remember we played Somewhere Over the Rainbow yeah. with 
Judy Garland on the screen behind us playing Singing Somewhere of the Rainbow and Lorna Luft was on the stage in front of me harmonising with her mum. Yeah, and we'd be playing along with her. They orchestrated oh. to, the music, to the music that was on the screen. So yeah. we were playing along and... Yeah, that was that was my first contract, and I was like, "This is just this is great. That this is, is magic." Yeah, man. this was this was awesome. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So again, going back to like learning to read music, this is where, um, you know, it's so hard getting kids to learn to read music because I teach guitar now. Yeah, and it really is such a valuable skill because it can bring you in future. You never know what, where it can lead. Yeah, you know, just definitely. You like, yeah, the fact that I could read music got me has got me some real interesting different kinds of gigs that I wouldn't have otherwise had if I was you know, just a rock guitarist or something. Yeah, yeah. most definitely. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so you were saying, um, th- was that the story that you were going to tell about Judy Garland's daughter um, uh, on the, the gay cruise ship or was, yeah, was something yeah. else happening? Um, oh, look, yeah, I mean, they had to, uh, we had to man the theatre. All the musicians had to kind of stand by the doors of the theatre while they had a party one night. Yeah. And the guys, I mean... It was, I mean, I'll never forget of my, yeah, ingrained and imprinted on my brain. Yeah. You know, guys who look like you'd see pudgy middle-aged accountants during the week wearing leather chaps, not much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, getting up to no good, man. It oh, was, it was, whoa. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still wrestling with those memories. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it was, certainly would have been a culture shock if you're not yeah. a gay man. You probably wouldn't really see that. No, kind a whole of thing. ship of gay guys. It was, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. But it was, yeah, it was, it was. That was that that show was the only show I remember from that week. But I got to say, it was actually one of the highlights. Yeah, most definitely of my time on ships because um, so different. Yeah, so different. Yeah, yeah. And um, and the four of us got to play that in the band. Got to play that show with her, and and yeah, that was a real highlight. Far but that out. other. In that first contract, that out of the cruises, they had um, that this American Baptist preacher, charismatic preacher called T.D. Jakes, who uh, brought his own entertainment, brought a following, his own following all the kind of African American Baptist, you know, um, you know, followers of his basically on sure. the ship. They brought all on their own kind of gospel music entertainment. So we in the show band got the week off, ah. and I saw some really incredible music that week some african-american gospel stuff that was just off the charts so we didn't work that week but we just saw i saw a singer called layla hathaway who was really it was really awesome yeah. um some really high level of musicians i got to meet some really cool guys yeah they had um another week we state farm insurance brought their own music on um <laughs> we, we got the week off there yeah um yeah so uh, there was yeah, there were weeks we we, we still got paid. So like, I'd, I'd be there was two weeks in a row where we didn't get paid and we just got set to chill out on a sh- cruise ship. Got paid for two weeks while we watched other, other companies bring their bring them bring their entertainment on. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. And so um, since doing the the cruise ship gig mm. and and coming home, um, ha- have you ever um, like encouraged? Any other musicians to do it? Have they ever yeah, taken it on? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I've, I tell a lot of people. I talk about it a lot. Yeah, because it it was such a great time for me. Yeah, not. I don't think everyone likes it. Some people I know have gotten on a cruise ship and they're just like, "Man, this is not my bag." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, just cabin fever. Too many old people. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I was just the right time in my life for me, young and single, and um, and was just hungry for an adventure. Yes. Wanted to travel. Yeah. Didn't want to have a proper job. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people like being home as well. Not yeah. not everyone has that travel No, bug, they don't. They you don't. know what I mean? No, they don't. Um, I mean, I've seen uh, a lot of the world 
but I have certainly have, most likely haven't seen as much as you, but I've probably seen shitload more than half of my family. Yeah, really. Because a lot of my family are real just homebodies, eh? Yeah, yeah. And, and they just like just, I mean, obviously maybe trip to Bali or whatever. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But uh, um, a lot of a lot of friends and family, they, they just like, yeah, just staying put. Yep. Or even maybe just seeing Australia, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Because, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like we were saying earlier, Australia is such a big country. You, if you did want to just holiday around here, you know, that there'd be a different place to go every year if you really wanted to. Yeah. You know? Have you toured much in Australia? I have. Right. Yeah. With your original band? With, with an original band called Smokestack Rhino. Yeah. Um, and so, but before joining that band, I hadn't really toured much and, and hadn't really seen much of Australia. Yeah. So I really do appreciate the time with that band because, um, yeah, w- before I joined those guys, the only time I'd ever really toured with music was just once. And that was, um, with the pass outs back in 2014, where we just did a gig in Sydney. Right. And came home. That was it. It was okay. just one, sh- two shows for the weekend. Right. You know, but since with Smokestack, I've been in Adelaide and Sydney and uh, Tasmania and Brisbane. We haven't gone, that's the only place we didn't go was um, WA. But other than that, all the way around. See, that's, I feel like I've missed out because that's one thing I haven't done much of and I, I want to because... Yeah, you haven't missed out, man. <laughs> <laughs> really? No. You don't too... think the, the, the camaraderie, the bus trips... The no, <laughs> not at all, man. You have, the, the gigs are always a lot of fun. Okay. But the time spent getting everywhere yeah. is not usually the best vibe. Right. Know? Yeah, Just yeah. Just because, like we were saying before, Australia is so fucking big yeah it takes ages to get everywhere yeah right. so unless you really love just sitting in a car for hours mm. or sitting in a plane for a few hours to get somewhere unless you really love that aspect of traveling which i don't really i, I don't know i don't particularly no like the transit pass not good S- yeah. some some people like the you know just oh the open road and let's go you know like some people dig that and that's cool man but it's not for me man <laughs> you know, I'd much rather do a gig at the local and come home, you know, and sleep in my own bed. Yeah, know? yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. get that. Okay, um, I've done a little bit of touring, but I did a few years ago, a few venues on the road. Took out a whole weekend to do it. Yes, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard yards. It is, man. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I've kind of learned from doing this podcast too. Is is listening to the stories of a lot of the musicians that have done like a lot of touring in this country. Yeah, um, and how how difficult it is. Yeah, you know, um, and order to make it ba- yeah. ba- balance the books and make it just like yeah, so you don't walk while. away losing money. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's always a real tricky thing too because like you talk to other bands and it's a real secretive kind of industry like how much people charge to play places. Yeah. And you're like, well, we charge this, but how much are other people charging? Like, yeah. are they really only getting what I'm getting or, or are we doing better than them or are they doing better than us? Like, you don't know because there's, there's no regulatory system, Yeah, yeah you know, in yeah. the entertainment industry. There isn't. And, and that means if someone is willing to do a gig for a certain amount of money, the publican or the festival promoter or whoever the fuck it is is giving you the gig is going to choose that act over another act yeah. that's willing to do it for cheaper. So how did you organise... Was it all just sitting on the phone organizing venues, organizing buses, organizing? Was it all you? Did you have a manager doing any of that? or uh, For that um, band, no. No, it was all done in-house. Right. And we all took um, uh, responsibilities, uh, like different ones. So, like, for example, I would do all the festival applications. Right, okay. You know, and actually apply for all of them. Yeah. 
um, and you know other people in the band would sort out the um, accommodation or the flights, mm. you know. But then if someone was having like a big work week, they might just go, hey, can you look after this? Yeah. And we'd, if someone who would drop the ball, then we'd pick it up. Yeah. You know, so in that way, it was really good because um, everyone in the band did kind of put in so that once we got to that place, we were able to put on a show. Yeah. You know, and actually make it happen. Um, whereas when you are in a, an original band where you are doing all of the work, it gets a lot harder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you see any value in it in terms of building a fan base and people getting in touch down the track saying, hey, when are you coming back? And I think so, yeah. But without radio support, it's really only a smaller gr- amount of people. Mm. You know, so it, you, you may do like these heaps of kilometres and kilometres and kilometres and you, you might come back to a show and see maybe one or two familiar faces in a town yeah. that you've been you've been at six months or 12 months ago. Yeah. But it's not a hundred people. No. You know what I mean? It's literally a handful of people. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, fuck, is that... Yeah, well, has all those kilometers been worth it? You know what yeah, I mean? You kind yeah. of ask yourself that. <laughs> That's fine, you know, whatever. Far yeah. out, man. One thing that um, Paul Dempsey s- said to me was that since the low-cost airfares have come in, the jet stuff, 50 bucks to, to Brizzy's come in... Sure. A lot of those coastal towns that had little pubs and you could do a drive up and a lot of those are shut down because people can fly up to Brisbane so cheaply and do a gig there. Ah. That's changed the scene a little bit. I don't know. Like I said, I've never done it. but Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to experience it just to say. I mean, it's part of being a muse, so I've got to do it. Gotta- yeah, you got to do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I can just even talk about um, young Aaron, who I had on the podcast last week. He he's he does a, a band called the Aaron Chambry Band, which he just... Aaron Chambry, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He does a, a blues um, covers and, and all that with, with his band. And, and they travel up to Sydney and do gigs up there. Right. Yeah, they just load everything up in the car and um, they get looked after once they get up there and, and they, they, they drive down. Um, so it is possible. Yeah. E- even on the covers scene, you can do it. Yeah, right. You know, but it, it, it is certainly, I mean, like, dude, that dude would have to email friggin' a lot of people. Yeah, right. You know, to, to, it's, you have to cast a wide net, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah. get those gigs. And if you've got a full-time job yeah. uh, and you're not a full-time user, it's, it's hard to get them. Yep. You know what I mean? So yep. there you go, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did a, I did a, I have done, you know, off the top of my head, flying to Daydream Island to do a gig, but that was just one phone call. Mm. Yeah, get the gig, fly up there, play for four nights, come home. It wasn't really mm. proper original band, grubby sure. pub floors. It was, nah, it yeah. was posh, you know, <laughs> yeah, right yeah. up my alley. You that's know? what that's the one, <laughs> man. That's the kind of gig I want, man. Like just thinking back to those Caribbean days, man. Like I'm literally just waiting and waiting for my twins to be old enough to form solid memories, so I can get them on the plane out of here and doing that show again. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I make sure I email that contact that I have at least every 12 months. Like, hey, man, I still want to do that gig again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My kids still aren't old enough, but when they are, please, you know. Yeah, he'll be um, like, dude, I retired 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so stop emailing me, would you? <laughs> I told you last week, Kate looks after this. Leave me alone. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. Well, it has been fantastic catching up with you, dude. Um, uh, before we do finish up, though, um, I, I do this thing on the podcast where I play a little bit of music uh-huh. of the guest um, prior to the interview so that the listeners can kind of get a little bit of a taste of who they're listening to, um, you know. Uh, so is there anything um, online that you would suggest I kind of look for that I could play at the start of the podcast? Jeez, I don't know. My YouTube channel, what have I got? Um 
Is there something up there? I've got I've got performing? my arrangement just off the top of my head. I've got my arrangement of um, Eleanor Rigby. Oh, dude, well, check that out. Solo guitar. I've got a solo guitar repertoire that I don't get to do much of. That I don't get to. Not a lot of gigs around, and I don't chase those kind of gigs much. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Chuck, check, check, check that out. That put, would be really on. cool. Yeah, man. okay, something a little bit different. Oh, yeah. sweet. Um, well, we'll we'll have heard um, uh, Troy Mayo performing uh, an acoustic or electric solo solo acoustic solo yeah. acoustic version of Alan Rigby um, before this interview. That sounds great. And so you mentioned your YouTube channel. Um, how can people, uh, yeah, kind of follow your musical journey? Yeah, well, I've just I've got a YouTube channel which is kind of I'm trying to plow a lot of time into called Australian Guitar Channel. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for two years, but just as a side hobby, I've just kind of decided I've I've either got to drop it or I've got to go hard with this thing. So um, mm. there seems to be a wide open space for Australian guitar. I've just this last week I've been posting videos of classic Australian guitar solos with their corresponding guitar tabs. I do interviews, did a lot of interviews with uh, yeah, a lot of Aussie guitarists. I did uh, yeah. Chris Cheney, um, Brett Garset from Farnham's band, Stuart Fraser from Noiseworks. Yeah. Paul Dempsey did one with me. Yeah. Bunch of guys, uh, instructional videos, want to do more. I've got Mark Gable from um, Choir Boys lined up to do a songs behind the story about Run to Paradise that I want to do. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to do yeah. more of that. There's, there's a wide open space that's not been looked at. So kind that's exploited. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was Australian Guitar Channel uh-huh. yep. on YouTube. So yep. we'll, um, we'll we'll certainly follow that, and um, yeah, we'll have heard uh, Eleanor Rigby, man. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. That is one of the tunes that I do. Um, Whenever I'm playing acoustic uh, covers at the pub and I can see that really people aren't really even paying attention to me, I go, fuck it, I'm going to do some obscure shit. Yeah, yeah right. Here's Eleanor Rigby, you know? Yeah, right, cool. <laughs> and sometimes, like, you'll, you'll, you'll play that song and then some, some dude will come up to you and go, dude, love the cover of Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, right. And you go, I, lit- I don't say that to them, but in my head I'm like, I literally played that because I thought no one was listening. Uh, yeah, and right. I wanted to play something cool for myself because yeah, I'm yeah. sick of playing Summer of 69. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Summer of 69, man. Oh, dude, that's a good note to end on, mate. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for coming in and having a chat on The Art of Touring. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really enjoyed myself. It's been a good time. Ciao. Awesome. awesome. See you later. There you go, Sizzlers, another episode of Art of Touring in the Bag. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a share, why don't you, on social media. Use that hashtag, Art of Touring Podcast, on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Touring. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can. You just email me directly at artofturingpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. Uh, if you're a muso or, uh, you know, a performer of any kind, please hit me up. Or if you're not really into that email thing, you can just send me a private message on Instagram at Art of Turing Podcast. You can listen to Art of Turing on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a short review. And stick around next week for another episode. I release these bad boys every single week for free. So get in and have a listen with old mate Sizzdog 
on the regs. Okay, that's all for me this week. Before I, I do go, though, I do have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Mr. Wall, my goodness, he's just recently done another insane bit of artwork for the Star Wars burlesque show. Uh, he did the first one, and now they're doing another run of shows. The Empire Strips Back. Huh? Strips Back, do you get it, right? Um, and this second artwork is just as good as the first. He's really, he's really got a knack for capturing um, really rad Star Wars artwork, as I well know. Big thanks to my guest this week, Troy Mail. You can follow him on his YouTube channel called Australian Guitar Channel. Just um, YouTube that and it'll come up. Uh, and he uploads a whole bunch of great content very regularly. So uh, be sure to check that out. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Touring with the Sizz Dog. Ow, ow, ow! Woo! Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Generic Headache Tablets. Go generic and never worry about headaches again. We've got this music. Can you hear the music? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, we've got this music happening. In our headphones, it's like uh, we've picked up kind of some kind of weird frequency. Yeah. So our listeners are getting um, double entertained tonight. It's We're a gonna... little bit... Um, it's, it's smooth jazz saxophone. <laughs> it's sexy. It's... It's, a, it's a brilliant background yeah. for our talking. <laughs>